Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to continue uh, this series, and we're going to start in Matthew 25, uh, verse 1. Matthew 25, um, verse 1. And it reads this. It says, uh, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids, who took their lamp and went to meet the bridegroom. He said, the kingdom of heaven will be like, everybody turn turn to your neighbor and say, that's the series we're in. That's the series, the kingdom of heaven will be like, and he starts to talk about the parables. He says, 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Okay, we're starting there. Before we go any further, let's pray over the service. Father, we thank you for gathering us tonight. Father, we thank you, God, that we are just here to learn more about you, Jesus. We're here, Father, just to, uh, to have less of us and more of your spirit. So, Father, have your way tonight, God. Have your way, Father. We thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place tonight. We thank you, God, that, that addictions will be uh, falling off. God, we thank you for change being broken. We thank you for depression being depleted. We thank you for anxiety, Father, being removed from our lives, all because of your spirit. So, Father, have your way tonight. Let us not leave this place as the same person we walked in as God but let us leave this place with a greater understanding of you father with a greater love for you father with a with a with a greater strength in our spirit Jesus we love you so much father thank you for giving us this opportunity to enjoy your presence we love you Jesus and everybody says amen man come on give Jesus a hand clap of praise so has anybody has anybody ever been to a Jewish wedding like now, has anyone been? Okay, that's cool. I heard, heard a couple say yes. I've never been. I've never been to a Jewish wedding, but I always see the videos of them, like, picking up uh, the bride and groom on a chair. Y'all ever see those videos? And then sometimes it turns to a fail video because then they fall, and everybody's like, ah. But uh, I've never been to a Jewish um, wedding, but, you know, I think it would be cool to, you know, one day get invited. But I don't know any Jewish people. So, God, send a Jewish person, God, who you get married, maybe I'll get invited. Um, but, um, we need some context to this parable because uh, where Jesus picks up in this parable, he actually picks up in the middle of a uh, traditional Jewish marriage wedding. He, he, he picks up in the middle of that process, but not the kind of uh, Jewish wedding that we know nowadays, but the one that it was in his time over 2,000 years ago. So for us to clearly know the context of where Jesus is trying to explain how his kingdom operates, we need to know and um, really uh, familiarize ourselves with how the the Jewish wedding and marriages took place, and there was a process to that. And it, it actually is, is really a cool kind of um, process that it has to it because it mirrors and it parallels um, really our relationship with Christ and Christ's relationship with the church. So before we move any further, we're just going to real quick take a look um, at how uh, a Jewish traditional marriage took place over 2,000 years ago. And there was four parts to, the, to a Jewish wedding. And now here you're saying, you know, Pastor CJ, why are you giving me all this context? Because context brings clarity. Have you ever read scripture and had no idea what they were talking about? Because there was no context. Let me give you uh, some advice when you're reading scripture. Okay, it's not just about words. It's not about, because there's, there's a lot of times where somebody will come to me with a scripture totally out of context and think that they're getting it correct and try to uh, uh, really um, 
uh, use it out of what the way that God was using it and trying to do different things with it. But I always say make sure you have the correct context and then you'll get the correct word from it. And so here's the context of a, of a traditional Jewish wedding that reflects our relationship with Jesus as well. And it's really cool. So the first part of a uh, Jewish wedding is called, uh, and I'm going to butcher a lot of things tonight, but just bear with me. It's called Mishnah Kedushin. Hope I'm saying that right. Or, and that's, or that means the, uh, the betrothal. And so what happens during this part is that um, 2,000 years ago, and, you know, uh, during Jesus' time, when a Jewish man would want to get married, he would leave the house of his father, and he would go to the house of the bride, and then he would uh, pay uh, the father of the bride um, um, some kind of payment or dowry as a, as a sense of, of the value he sees in the bride. So if, if the, if the uh, groom really liked this bride, he wouldn't just bring a goat with him, right? He'd bring like two or three goats. Like, I don't know how, but he would still see that the, the, the price that would need to be paid for it. And that was the first part. Now, as we know about Jesus, Jesus left his father's house in heaven, and he came down to earth, and he paid a price as well. He came down, and he, let me tell you about something, the price that Jesus paid. He thought that you were so valuable that he paid the ultimate price, which was himself. And he put his life down on the line for you and I. That is how valuable we are in the eyes of God. So if anybody tells you you're not valuable, don't you listen to any of that because Jesus thought you're so valuable that he actually put himself down on the line. Who thinks that's really awesome what Jesus did for us? And so that was his patrol that he came in and he paid the price on the cross for us. He, he came and he, he paid his dowry to, to be said. He left his father's house and he came down to earth because he, us, the, the, the body of Christ, we became the, the bride of Christ, correct? And so he, he put his life down. He paid a price. And that's the reflection of parallelism is that uh, it was really Calvary and the cross is really how it parallels to us and our relationship with Jesus is that Jesus paid the price or his dowry uh, by going to the cross, and his body was broken so that way we could be made whole. Um, his blood was spilt so that way our sins could be washed away. I know we all know this, but that is the price that was paid and that Jesus did for you and I. And so that was the first part of a, of a traditional Jewish wedding in biblical times. The second part is what is called um, the, uh, the ketubah, or what... It would be the marriage contract. And so what would happen is after the, the, the groom um, paid the dowry, the, the groom and the, and the bride would then go into a contract with each other, quite literally committing to each other. And so they would commit to each other, and the, and the, and the bride would be set apart from every other man and would commit him, uh, herself to the groom. Okay, so when you and I, when we accept Jesus into our heart, we go into a contract or a covenant with Jesus, and we commit ourselves to Christ, correct? And so that is what you and I, I did when we uh, experienced salvation through repentance. We, we came into a contract with Jesus. He said, Jesus, I separate myself from anybody and everybody else, and I commit myself to you. I separate myself from the world, and I I am set apart for you. And so that, in the reflection, is the marriage contract is, to, is salvation and how we, um, uh, through repentance and our commitment to Christ. 
Are y'all, are y'all hearing what I'm saying so far? So that's the second part. And then the third part of a traditional um, Jewish marriage, and again, this is all the context so we can understand the parable better. The third part is called the Nisuin, which is quite literally translated to um, meaning elevation. So this is what would happen. So after the, the, the groom leaves his father's house and he pays a dowry for the bride, and after they make a contract with each other, committing themselves to each other, because can I say, not only did we commit ourselves to Christ, but Christ committed himself to you as well. That is why we should all be able to jump to our feet and commit ourselves so quickly to Christ because he first committed himself to us and he paid that price. That's, that, is why we, that is why we can trust him it's because he paid the price before we even deserved anything. That's why we can uh, put all of our faith in Jesus. And so after the, the groom would, uh, and bride made that marriage contract, then the, the groom would leave the bride and go back to his father's house and he would prepare a place for the bride and then once everything was set and ready then the groom would come back for the bride and that was considered the third part that was called um, nisuin or quite translated to elevation but look what it says in john 14 um, verses 2 through 3 it says this it says he said there is more than enough room in my father's home if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare, everybody say prepare, prepare a place for you. So when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that way you will always be with me where I am. So that is Jesus committing himself to all of us saying, look, uh, when he went and he um, uh went up into heaven right but who knows and he says he was preparing a place for us but he didn't leave us by ourselves that's the great thing he said i i the the promise of the father will come and your great comforter will come and 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 uh, and really now christ abides in us through his spirit and we are able to walk daily with him and so uh what that parallels with is that uh what the third part is parallels with jesus um great return and now the hour of the return of the groom to the bride always came unannounced. It wasn't planned. It was when everything was ready. And so it was an unannounced time. And in the fourth part of the um, marriage in a traditional Jewish state uh, over 2,000 years ago, the last part was the marriage feast. So after the groom came back and got the bride, they would then go back to the father's house, and they would have a feast lasting seven days. And then that would be the, uh, the, the complete of, of the circle. And for us, as you might um, have figured it out, is that that reflects to us when Jesus returns and we go to heaven with him in eternity. And so you can see there's a reflection and parallel between our relationship with Jesus and then the parallel of the traditional Jewish wedding and how it worked. Now, you might say, Pastor CJ, that's a lot of context. I'm sorry. I had to get it out, okay? I want everybody to be on the same uh, understanding. I, want, I don't want nobody to feel left out because now you see the context of where this story takes place because where, when Jesus starts this parable, he picks it up in part three. 
He said the bridesmaids were waiting for the groom to return um, to, get to, to, to get the bride. And so that's where he picks up is in part three. Because what would happen is when the groom came back, all the bridesmaids were supposed to meet him and wait for him. And then they would all go together uh, to the feast. And so now that we all have that context out of the way, let's go back to verse one. And we'll work our way through this. It says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. But in verse 2, it says, five of them were foolish and five were wise. Now, notice Jesus didn't say five of them were sinners and five of them were saints. Notice Jesus didn't say five of them were bad and five of them were good. No, he, he, see, he said five were foolish and five were wise, meaning that all of them were already invited to the wedding. All of them, uh, they were already, like they made the cut already. All right, it wasn't a separation of who was sinful and who was not. It was, it was who was being wise and who was being foolish. So that this shows to me is that just because we get the invitation doesn't mean that we need to be idle. Just because we then know that, okay, we know who Jesus is doesn't mean we should stop um, having a relationship with Jesus and say, you know what, I'm just going to stop at salvation and not do anything else. No, we need to have that continuation with Jesus and to, to really be able to get the, the, the true fruit that he has to offer. And so, so they already know their names is on the, on the list, but it was really what separated whether or not they were foolish or wise. It, it was really what they were doing while um, they were waiting, while they were waiting um, on, G, on, on the bridegroom or who represents Jesus in this parable. Um, has anybody been, I'm sure we've all been to theme parks, you know, to Six Flags, and you recently went to Disney World. Who knows, the hardest part is waiting in lines, right? Like, that's always the hardest part. Like, you're like, I spent all this money just to wait in a line for, like, a 30-second ride. You know, if you think about it too much, you might talk yourself out of going again. But... I remember we were waiting in a line that was supposed to be, you know, 30 to 40 minutes long. And we're like, oh, we can do it. And then, like, halfway through the line, uh, they announced, you're like, you're like, like they're, sorry, uh, we're having maintenance issues, and there's no timetable of when this ride will go back online. And all you hear was this big old sigh of going, oh. And, like, all these people started exiting the line. But, see, Haley and I, we have great faith, okay? We stayed in that line. We stayed in it, um, but, you know, about 20 minutes later, I was regretting it because the line still hadn't moved, um, but I remember us waiting, and uh, we were both, like, kind of, like, at the point, like, people were, like, laying on the ground, just waiting, like, people, like, doing all these different things, and, you know, I was, like, on my phone, and, you know, we were in Disney World, but we weren't having fun at that moment, and I remember thinking, like, oh, man, I paid all this money for what I was doing, um, <laughs> But I wasn't having a great time, but then I hear all this laughter, and I hear these people having fun. I'm like, what are they doing? And I look, and the same people in the same line are having the times of their life. And they're playing that, that heads-up game. You know that game? You're talking about the heads-up, you guess it? They're playing that game, and they're having so much fun, and people are gathering, doing, and they're having, like, a, a great time doing the same thing that I was doing. And I was jealous. And I was like, you know, why are they having fun while they're waiting? You know, all of this. But we were having the same experience. We were, we were doing the same thing, but we're having two totally separate experiences. And it all depended on how we were choosing to wait, 
on how we're choosing to spend our time and where we're going to be idle or where we're going to be intentional um, uh, with, our, with what we were doing with our time. Because, see, those bridesmaids, um, they were all invited, right? They were all invited to the, to the wedding. They were all invited. They made it. They were all invited. But it was whether or not they were going to be idle or intentional with their time. See, you and I, when we accept Jesus into our heart, we're all invited to heaven. Congratulations. You're invited. But are you going to be intentional or idle with your time here on earth? Are, are you going to just say, you know what? I'm going to spend the, the time while I'm here on earth, you know, just uh, barely making it by. And doing that. Or are you going to spend your time being intentional? Are you going to spend your time saying, you know, Jesus, I want to learn more about you. I want to spend more time in your presence. I don't want to just stay on surface level. God, I want to get to know you. Because if you don't know this about Jesus, he wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want to be some distant entity. He doesn't want to be this something that is, 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 is you have no idea really what it's about. No, he wants to, he, he wants to be your personal savior. Just like any other relationship, you got to communicate to grow with them. You have to be able to, to communicate with them to know more about them. And here's also what I love about Jesus. When you talk to him, he talks back. When you talk to him, it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue, and he talks back to you. That's the kind of Savior we serve. And so they have this choice, the same choice that we have, is that are we going to be wise with our time? Or are we going to be foolish with our time? And in verse 3, it's, um, when Jesus explains that the five who were foolish did not take enough oil uh, for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra. Everybody say extra. extra. So the, the, the bridegrooms, they had these lamps. And now these lamps that they had was meant to um, light the way when the when the when the uh, when, when the bridesmaids had these lamps to light the way when the bridegroom came so that way they could have a path um, to the feast. And now for these lamps to stay lit, for these lamps to, to stay burning, they needed oil. All throughout scripture, oil always represents uh, the anointing of God and the Holy Spirit. The oil always, always represents God's spirit in the situation that you have. See, Jesus wasn't saying, if you want to live a life here on earth, stock up on all the essential oils, okay? Jesus wasn't saying that, even though you can. I'm not saying you don't. But what Jesus was saying is that, that you got to live a life by the Spirit. What Jesus was saying is that if you want to stay ready, if you want to be able to uh, have that connection be strong, you have to live a life in the Spirit. And the only way to do that, the only way to... To grow in your relationship with God, the only way is not by, not by reading self-help books. It's not by, uh, you know, listening to podcasts. You knew that, but you have to spend time with them. There's no way around it. You have to spend time with them. You have to spend time in prayer. You have to spend time in worship. You have to spend time um, praying in the spirit. You have to spend time um, fasting. That is how we're able to live a life in the spirit. Because what Jesus was saying, he said, it would be foolish for us to live this life, but to live it dry in the spirit. It would be foolish of us to, to have the access. We're in the kingdom of heaven. We have access to so many great richness of God and blessings of God. But it would be foolish of us to live dry. It would, it would be foolish of us to not take full advantage of, of what God has to offer us. And he said, but to be ready 
for us to be ready for anything that God has for us, we have to be able to have a, a relationship with him. And that's point number one for tonight is that our readiness is determined by our relationship with God. Our readiness is determined by our relationship with God. By that, I mean this. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't spend time in prayer or reading the word, it doesn't matter how much experience you have or degrees you have behind your name, you will never be ready for the purpose of God. You will never be ready for what God has to offer because that only determines your, your readiness is only determined by your relationship with God. It's only determined by you hearing his voice, knowing his plans, seeing the steps he wants you to take. Those things don't come by from you talking to people or talking to the world. They, they can't give you the readiness for God's purpose. That only comes from having a relationship with God. And is, is there any witnesses in the house that know that when you have a strong relationship with God, it doesn't matter what the world says, you're ready. You're ready for what he has uh, in front of you. But if you don't have and you move away from the things that God wants you to do, to spend time with them, it doesn't matter how much time we spend reading books or how much time we spend doing things that the world says you need to do this to be ready. If you don't have that relationship with God, we will never be ready to step into what God has for us. One of the worst feelings you can have, I, I know I've, I've, there's been times in my life where it's happened, I'm sure in yours too, is that when God calls you or God tells you to do something, but you're not ready for it. When there's an opportunity in front of you and God has something ready for you, but you're not ready in the spirit. You haven't been praying enough. You haven't been, you haven't been sensitive to enough. Or what sometimes is even worse is that there's an opportunity right in front of you, but you don't even have the awareness to see it. But having that relationship with God will always keep you ready in the spirit to jump at anything by faith when God has an opportunity for you. Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying tonight? And then in verse 5, and so it says that the, they, they didn't choose to have oil, right? They, they didn't choose to, to have oil ready for them when the bridegroom came. They, the bridesmaids, the, the five foolish ones, they, they didn't care about that. Um, but in verse 5, it says this. So when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy. Say, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Even the, even the wise and the foolish, they all fell asleep, okay? That just shows to me we're all going to make mistakes, but it's, 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 it's what do you have attached to yourself when you make a mistake that makes a difference. And it says they all fell asleep, but at midnight they were roused by shouts saying, look, the bridegroom is coming. And, and they said to come out and meet him. Come out and meet him. See, the bridegroom returned at an unexpected time in the middle of the night. See, this parable is, the, the, the great reason behind this parable is for us to be ready for the return of Christ. But can I say that this parable is also for us to be ready for anything? This parable is also about for us being ready for when the opportunity comes. It's about us making sure that we're filled up with the Spirit. So that way when God taps us on the shoulder and says, you're in, we're ready enough to get into the game. That we don't have to say, oh, God, you're called on me. Let me train a little longer. Let me, God, oh, God, well, God, let me go back and pray a little. No, when God calls you, you got to be ready to go. Because this is where I learned about God. He's no respecter of person. If he calls you, you're not ready, he moves on to the next one. But we got to be ready when God calls on us, and that's what we have to show. But 
what I see in this parable is that this is supposed to be a, a, a great thing for the bridegroom to come, for the bridegroom to return. But when you're not ready, it, it, it can almost send you in a panic. It can almost send you because if you think you can predict uh, tomorrow, you can't. If you think you can see the future, you can't. You, if you think that, oh, God, I, I'll be ready when I need to be ready, you won't know when the, when the calling has come. You don't know when things will come your way. That is why in the wise words, I think it's called sugar-free, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. If you stay ready in the spirit, when God taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, go speak to them about my name, you don't have to say, God, well, I don't know a scripture. No, you're able to, if you're ready, to go out and be able to witness the people, to win people, and that is how the kingdom of heaven works. See, God, he doesn't call just the people who, who feel like they're qualified in the world. He calls the people who are ready in the spirit, who are ready, who has been prayed up, who are ready to go. That's the people who he can call and who he can use. In verse 7, it says, all the bridesmaids, they got up and prepared. Everybody say prepared. They got up and prepared. And they prepared their lamps, but it says, then the five foolish ones asked the others, they said, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. They said, go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. See, the five wise ones, they're ready to answer the call. When God called them, they're ready to answer when God called them, they got up, they lit their lamps, they said, we're ready to go. But then the five foolish ones, they were in a panic. They were saying, what are we going to do? They were saying, what's going on right now? Like the coming of the bridegroom should be something that is a, a promise that should be joy, bring joy and bring happiness. But I, I've learned this. If you're unprepared, sometimes even a promise can send you in a panic. Because you're scrambling to know what to do. You're scrambling to, to, to figure it out. You're scrambling to know exactly how is this going to work out. But if there's a sign that whether or not we have been praying lately is how we respond when something comes our way. If we respond in panic, can I say that's a sign we haven't been praying? Because when you're prayed up and when you're ready to go, even when a problem comes your way, you're saying, God, I've been praying too much. I know too much in the spirit. I've seen God. You do too much. I'm not being thrown into a panic. Because, God, I've been connected to the, to the person who gives me the peace, the, the peace that goes beyond all understanding. Does anybody know the kind of prayer closet peace I'm talking about? The prayer closet peace that even when everybody's panicking, you go into your prayer closet, and now you have a peace that goes beyond anything that people can really uh, convince you of? Like, you ever talk to that uh, brother or sister in God, and you're, like, panicking, like, how is this going to work? How is that going to work? And you're like, oh, it's all good. God's, in, God's got it. God, you know, no, I'm not afraid. God's going to take care of you. Like, how are you doing this right now? You're almost kind of mad at them. Like, hey, you need to be freaking out like I am. That's the kind of peace that God offers. Man can't understand it. The world can't understand it. There's rumors of wars going on right now. There's things going on right now. The, I don't know if you've looked around lately, but the world is in a panic. But the people of God should be different. The people part of his kingdom should be different. We should be ones who know who should be prayed up right now. We should be having that, that relationship with God right now that's saying, yes, I see things. I, I, I see what the world is struggling with. But, God, I'm part of not the world. I'm part of your kingdom. 
And God, I know who sits on the throne. And I'm not going to be sitting into a panic just because the world is experiencing problems. That's not how you and I are supposed to operate. So that's a sure sign. Hey, if you want to check how your prayer life is, wait until a problem comes and see if you're sent into panic or not. And that's point two for tonight is that prayer keeps us prepared for problems and keeps us protected from panic. Prayer keeps us prepared for problems and keeps us protected from panic. Prayer life is what keeps us grounded. A prayer life is what keeps us uh, in the right mind. A prayer life is what keeps us when our coworker says something to us that we said, you should have known me before Jesus. You shouldn't, you know, a prayer life is what keeps us from holding our tongue. A prayer life is what keeps us from stepping outside of what we know God wants us to do. Because there's been times when, man, when you don't pray, it seems like things jump out of you that you had no idea was still there. You thought you, thought you were saved. Wait until you stop praying for a while and you'll realize that you got to, this is something that's a continual process. You never stop continuing this, this journey with Jesus. You always got to stay in prayer and reading his word. That's the life that we have to live. We have to live a life that's connected with Christ. We, we live a life of prayer that is really that God, God's gift to man really is prayer. God's gift to man is really saying, you call upon my name, I'm going to answer that's the greatest gift you and I have is that we have communication with our creator. We have a communication with the creator of heaven and earth. And anytime we have a problem, we can knock on his door and what? He will answer. Who thinks that's awesome promise that we have from Jesus? That's why prayer is, this, is a strength of us as, as being part of his kingdom. And when we pray, that's literally us going to the king and saying, and saying, King of kings, Lord of lords, I need your help. This is going on. That is going on. But he's a just king. He doesn't turn you away. He doesn't say, go figure it out on your own. No, he always supplies us with whatever we need. And then in verse 10, it says, but while they were gone to buy oil, it says the bridegroom came. While they were preparing, while they were trying to catch up, while they were trying to fit all the scriptures in the day before they went out to make a decision, and while they were trying to, you know, uh, you know, hey, have you ever made a decision and then prayed about it afterwards? You ever done that? Like you made a big decision, you're like, God, please bless that decision, Father. Let that decision line up with your will, God. Line it up. Move, you know, move your will, God, to line up with my decision. They were trying to catch up. They were unprepared. A promise came. And they weren't ready to catch it. A promise came, and they weren't ready to step into it. They they, they were unprepared. But it says, then those who were ready, they went with them to the marriage feast, and then they say the door was locked. See, while they were struggling, while they were scrambling, while they were the, the five foolish ones who weren't prepared, while they were trying to catch up, by the time they got everything ready, the moment where he passed them by. Life is like a vapor. Life is a blink in the eye. Life will pass us up so quick. We're going to think, where did all the time go, God? God, there were so many more things I, I thought I was going to do. There were so many more things, I, I, these passions and promises you had. God, where did all the time go? We can't just wait until tomorrow to get prepared. I learned this the hard way. When I was in high school, I was one of those kids who, you know, went to church, was a church, you know, was drugged to church, can I say it like that, you know, and, and um, uh, but 
lived, when, when I was high school, I had the mindset of say, God, I love you, but I'll live for you when I'm older. You ever had that, like, God, God uh, you know, um, I know who you are, but, but let me wait until after high school and after college. Let me wait until all those years. Let me have my fun, God, and then, you know what, I'm going to live for you, God. I'm going to be the best Christian you've ever seen, you know. And I, that was like my mindset in high school. I said, God, my mindset was this, I got time, right? I still got time. I don't, I don't have to do anything today. I still got time. I'm young. I still got time. It hit me, really changed me, is that one day I woke up or, or got back from, um, from training for football, and I had a pain in my side. And I started to pull the muscle, and I went, you know, all through that um, day just thinking that I pulled something. Um, but late that night, I was about to go to sleep, and then I felt like, um, I, it literally felt like somebody stabbed me in my side. Like a knife stabbed me. I said, okay, that's not a pulled muscle. So I told my parents, and we went to the hospital. Come to find out my lung had collapsed, and it was about, it was about 20% capacity at that time. The, the, the surgeons were scrambling. They, 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 right away, they saw what was happening. I was, you know, maybe in the ER for five minutes before I was in emergency surgery. And it had to happen so quick. Um, church family, I wasn't even able to be put under, and they were doing surgery on me. They just kind of said, all we can do is numb you and put a drape over your side. You're going to be awake, but we have to get this. We have to, they had to stick a tube in my side to, you know, release the pressure on my lung. And, and all during that time, and the doctors, they, they couldn't promise how it was going to happen. They couldn't promise if I was going to make it. They couldn't promise anything. They, they, they said, you know, we're going to do our best. And, that, that, and then that happened, and what, but what I learned in that moment when I woke up and really recovered is God told me this. He said, he said look, he said, you can't wait till tomorrow to live for me. We're not promised tomorrow. It doesn't matter how indestructible you think you are. You're not promised tomorrow. It doesn't matter how much time you have. You're not promised tomorrow. We have to live for Jesus today. We have to choose to love today. We have to choose to follow in this purpose today because we're not promised tomorrow. And I looked up to God and I said, I said God, I'm going to live for you today. Um, and then, you know, I made some decisions. And then what happened, if you don't know the story, my other lung collapsed and went through a whole other spiel where I should have died. I said, God, I got your picture, okay? I said, Father, I hear you. And then I really, I really got serious with God. But what I learned was this. I said, God, I'm never going to wait till tomorrow to live for you. I'm never going to wait till tomorrow to start making decisions and start put my life on it because we're not promised tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. Life is going to blink one day and, and all of a sudden all these opportunities and time you had is going to be gone. We have to live for him today. That's point three for tonight is this. We have to live in our purpose today because we are not promised tomorrow. Church family, go all out for Jesus today. Don't hold anything back. Go all out for the purpose and promises he has for your life. Go and take that sip of faith. Go and take that leap and fall after him. Because I can tell you right now, the last thing you want to do is have regret. The last thing you want to have is thinking, man, I wish I should have done that. God, God, I wish I would have listened to you here. No, we have to live for him today because we're not promised tomorrow. Will you stand to your feet? I'm closing. We'll close the last few verses of this parable, this parable of how Jesus is explaining about how his kingdom operates. He's explaining how, how, his, how he reigns in his kingdom and how, the, and how he rules and, and how he operates and how we need to understand how we need to be ready. How in God's kingdom, we have to be ready. 
we have to be ready not only just for his return, but we got to be ready for when he calls us, when he, he has a promise for us, when he gives us an opportunity. We have to be ready. In verse 11, it says, Later when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back saying, Believe me, I don't know you. And then he looks to the disciples who he's talking to, the ones who have been following him for years. He looks straight at them. And it's so, so you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or hour of my return. What Jesus was saying was this. Go all out for me today. Go all out for my purpose and my plan today. Follow after me wholeheartedly today. Don't wait till tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what is going to come. But can, what we say, we have the opportunity right now. We all have an opportunity in front of us to say yes to Jesus, to follow after him. Because how we get to know uh, Jesus, how we get to know his characteristics. It's not through religion. It's not through routines. It's not through uh, rules and regulations. It's through a relationship. We have to have a relationship with him today. We can't wait till tomorrow to start working and building our prayer life. We can't wait till tomorrow to start saying, you know what, I'm going I'm to start cutting these things out of my life or I'm going to start doing the No, we have to choose to start today. Everybody say today. I want to close with this. To live life without regret is to live a life ready for God's best. To live a life without regret is to live a life ready. Everybody say ready for God's best. You've got to ask yourself, am I ready for God's best right now? Am I ready? If he called me, would I be able, be able to go? If he, if he says step into this uh, promise right now, would I be able to take that step of faith? Are we ready? Because if we're not ready, we're going to be like those five bridesmaids we're gonna knock on the door he's gonna say look i've been calling you for a while i've been waiting on for you a while and the moment's passed you by let's not live a life of regret saying man i missed my moment man i i wish i would have stepped out and 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 witnessed to my co-worker or witness to my family member whatever it is man let us not live a life with regret let us be ready for god's best whatever he head bowed and eyes closed what the prayer for tonight is to be this father get me ready let us have an overflow of the spirit in our lives father let us be ready in the spirit let us build a prayer life let us build a relationship with jesus let us be able to have father a a confidence in you let us be able to have father a uh, an understanding of what you have for us in the future but let us be ready to step out by faith let us be ready to to answer when we are called let us be ready father to to live a life wholeheartedly both feet in into the life with christ every day growing more and more and with our relationship with jesus so father we thank you god that you're breaking every wall right now
Father, if there's any kind of restrictions that we have, if there's any kind of walls that we put up, if there's any kind of things we said to ourselves, like I said when I was uh, my senior year of high school, saying, God, I can wait till tomorrow. God, let us remove that mindset right now and say, God, I want to live for you today. I want to live for you right now. I want to not even wait another minute before I go all out for the name of Jesus. But God, I want to go wholeheartedly into this thing. I don't want to just play a Christian. I want to live a life with Jesus. I don't want to just uh, be happy about the first step. God, I want to take every step with you, Jesus. So Father, we thank you, God, for having your way tonight, Father. Let your spirit, God, begin to speak to us, Father. And we're going to about to sing a song in a little, little bit. But, Father, let us begin to stir up the atmosphere right now, Father, that if there's anything that is on our minds, if there's anything, Father, that is creating a hindrance in our spirit, God, we remove it right now in the name of Jesus. If there's anything that is keeping us away from committing ourselves to Christ, God, we remove that right now in the name of Jesus. If you're in this place and you even haven't said yes to Jesus yet, if you haven't um, accepted him as Lord and Savior, and you're only beginning to say, I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Begin to ask him to come into your heart. But, Father, prepare your church right now, God. God, prepare, Father, your, your sons and daughters right now so that we, we can be ready when you call on us, Father. In your own way, begin to worship Him, begin to pray to Him, begin to stir up in the Spirit right now. And as we've seen together, get your Spirit ready for what God is about to do.